Hi guys, welcome to episode 19 of Coffee, Cake, and Kegels. Um, little uh, quick thing I just wanted to say. I'm sorry, um, I'm not sure how you guys feel about the background music in the episodes. Um, and last episode, I honestly um, posted prematurely and <laughs> forgot all about the background music. Um, so I'm not sure, you know... If you would prefer background music, um, or if not, but this episode, I will make sure I add some, you know, some little sounds there. Um, this episode is about Poland's syndrome, uh, like the country Poland. Um, and I want to talk about this particular syndrome as it is personal to myself, as well as, um, you know, kind of tell a little bit of my story here. So when I had my blog, I did write about this and I called it totally tubular Frankenboob. Um, I know that sounds bizarre, but it'll all make sense. So when I was born, um, I mean, this is so weird because it's like, it's the, the order that this goes in is bizarre. Let me, let me start from basically now, um, you know, like the most recent past. When I had, um, COVID, I went to, um, I went to the ER three times, like I had said already on those episodes. And the last time in the ER, uh, I had pushed for a CAT scan because I was concerned that I had blood clots in my lung because the back I had like upper back pain, like right under my my right shoulder. I'm pretty sure I spoke about this in the first um, episode I did uh, revolving around coronavirus. So um, I pushed for the CAT scan because I was on two months at that point and I still didn't feel well. Not two months, maybe like six weeks. So we were almost there. And I went to the ER and they did a CAT scan. They sent me home. They said there was just lung inflammation and no clots. Okay, fine. So now a few days go by and I'm like, you know, let me read, let me read my hospital report. So I'm reading the report and it said that I have a ruptured silicone implant on my left side. So here's a little history. Now this is where the history comes in. Okay. When I was born, I was born with a congenital birth defect. Now let me explain what the birth defect is, okay? So basically it is, I had underdeveloped chest muscles um, and it affects the way the breast and nipples appear. So on my left side, I had literally, like a man, it was completely flat. I have no areola and the nipple looked weird. So I don't know how else to describe it, okay? It looked strange. And on the the right side, the breast was like also misshapen, but it was it was a breast, but it was very misshapen. And it had an areola and a nipple. So, of course, growing up with this, you know, I mean, how how would you feel? Put yourself in the shoes of a young a young woman. You know, um, 
puberty is starting and this was not noticeable really until puberty um, really started to take effect. So, uh, you know, you just, you feel really uncomfortable about your body to begin with, right? During puberty, I mean, you're starting to get stretch marks, your hair is growing in places you had never had before. You're starting to smell under your armpits, you know, all these different things. You're starting to get really emotional. Um, so like a lot of, a lot of different body changes, you know, happen and, um, it's crazy to begin with for a young person. Now add on that a breast abnormality. So it was really difficult for me growing up, um, with this, you know, I mean, it affected everything and I know it's, it may sound so trivial and so silly, but boys didn't want to, you know, um, boys didn't want to date me because I wouldn't let them go up my shirt, uh, for the obvious reasons, you know, I didn't want to be the freak or whatever, you know, so it did affect a lot of areas, you know, of my childhood, I guess, development, you would say. Anyway, when I turned 18, I had, we found a doctor, my, um, you know, my family doctor recommended this plastic surgeon and I went to him knowing what I know now, he had no, he had no skill when it came to this. Um, he had no knowledge of how to correct this kind of surgery. He called it inverted nipple, which it clearly was not. Um, he had never seen anything like this before. And, you know, just a heads up, if any of you are considering plastic surgery or reconstructive surgery, anything, anything of that nature, research your doctor. And I know now today, so many people do, we don't go in blindly. Um, but back, you know, when I was 18, I mean, I'm 43, so that was a long time ago, you know, there really wasn't a way to research a doctor and I was given his name from another doctor. So, you know, you trust a recommendation, especially from someone else in the medical field. Little did I know it was not going to work out. Um, this particular doctor, he placed the implants in so deep into my muscle that, um, and plus having no, like no muscle really, or no, having no breast tissue, the implants, my skin wouldn't even close. So I had, you know, if you take your, you know, your two fingers and put them together, that was the size of my incision and scar. And they weren't underneath the breast. They were smack right in the front of it. And um, he also made incisions around both, well, on my right side, around the areola, he made an incision. And then he made an incision around the non-existent areola on the left side and basically said that he tried to make one smaller, one larger, which was really a lie. You know, we, we wound up having to sue this doctor. Um, and you know, none of my, none of my surgery was covered. You know, he had all his assets in his children's names 
it just was a crazy, crazy time, a very, very depressing time for me at that phase of my life. But then I did wind up finding an amazing doctor who worked in Manhattan and I reached out to him and he told me, what I believe you have is a tubular breast. Hence the blog post episode, totally tubular Frankenboob. So, and I think you know by Frankenboob, I mean like Frankenstein. So, um, so basically, he was able to help me. He had invented tools that help make um, breast tissue more workable, whatever breast tissue you have, more workable and, and things like that. He did give me confidence. Like his, you know, his surgery helped me find my confidence and things of that nature. I was never the kind of girl who would wear, you know, a low cut shirt, maybe once in a blue moon. I mean a blue moon. Um, but I was never one to be like, I want to show my boobs off. I really just wanted to feel like every other woman, you know? And I really felt like that wasn't a lot to ask. I wasn't asking to look like a goddess. I wasn't asking, you know, to to be Cindy Crawford, who was like the model at that time or anything like that. I just wanted to feel like a woman. And, um, so this particular doctor in Manhattan helped me tremendously. Still not diagnosing what I really had. So, um, It wasn't until all the stuff with the lawsuit with the other doctor really got heated and um, meeting with attorneys and everything. I I remembered reading the word Poland syndrome in in some of the paperwork that the lawyer had sent me. And I really didn't think anything of it. I really didn't. Um, And it was building their case against the, you know, the first doctor I had who called it an inverted nipple. And, um, you know, I just, honestly, it just slipped my mind. It slipped my mind. I didn't even think about it. No doctor ever, ever, even the gynecologist, no one has ever said to me that this was Poland syndrome. No one until recently. So, um, So, like I said, I had a CAT scan after COVID, and I read the report myself, which I just couldn't believe the ER doctor didn't mention. And uh, so I've been reaching out to surgeons, and we've been having virtual consults. I reached out to a surgeon in Manhattan, and he said, you know, from what you're describing to me, it sounds like Poland syndrome. Has anyone ever told you that before? And at first I said no, because I really didn't remember reading about it in my uh, paperwork from the attorney so many years ago. I mean, we're going back to like, I don't even know, maybe 19, yeah, like 1997, 98. So I don't, I don't remember. Um, And after, you know, he said, you know, it sounds like it's Poland syndrome, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I sat there and, you know, after the consultation, I mean, I'm not, I don't feel comfortable with this particular doctor anyway, um, because he did say to me, you know, what are your goals? 
with the implants? Do you want them out completely? Do you want to go larger? Do you want to be smaller? And I said, well, in a perfect world, I really would love to have them out completely. You know, and he responded with, well, as a woman, you know, you, you'd like to be confident. And uh, that turned me off a little bit because you're asking me what I want, what my goals are, and then you're telling me how I should feel as a woman. So that kind of like, kind of, tur- I don't know, just gave me a, you know, bad taste in my mouth. Aside from the fact he was trying to rush me in for a physical consult and rush surgery for August. You know, I, I said, ideally, I'd like to have surgery in August. He's like, okay, then we need to get a rush on this and we, I need to see you in person right away. Can you come in? Um, I had the, the consult on a Monday. He's like, can you come in tomorrow, Tuesday, or Thursday this week? And I just felt like for a surgeon in Manhattan who's so prominent, uh, I mean, supposedly, so prominent, how do you have availability so quickly like this? You know, I mean, other surgeons, just to get the virtual consult, it was a week out, you know, or a week, two weeks out, things like things of that nature. So it just made me, you know, rub me a little weird. So on July 6th, coming in a few days, I have another virtual consult with another surgeon. And I already have had spoken to his office. And uh, just in planning the consult, I feel a better vibe. Um, But let's see what happens. I mean, will this doctor understand Poland syndrome? Will this doctor have had any experience with Poland syndrome? You know, so just, so let me just explain what Poland syndrome is, okay? It is a congenital birth defect characterized by an underdeveloped chest muscle, short webbed fingers on one side of the body, short ribs, less fat and breast and nipple abnormalities on the same side of the body. Um, it doesn't affect movement or health. The only way to diagnose it is by a physical exam or a CAT scan. There's only, the treatment is reconstructive surgery. Um, I do find myself to be fortunate that I don't have webbed, short webbed fingers on the left side of my hand, you know, left side of my body. Um, and it really did just only affect my breasts. You know, now that I'm in my forties, I really don't care about my breasts. I mean, I do care because I'm not minimizing how women who've had to undergo, you know, reconstructive breast surgery due to cancer and things of that nature. I'm not minimizing that because I'm, I, that's devastating, um, to lose a part of what makes you feel like a woman. However, I am at the point in my life where having breasts, you know, um, having large breasts doesn't really make me feel any sort of way if they were smaller, (laughs) you know, if like, if they were smaller, I really don't feel any other sort of way. I really would just like the implants completely out. So here's what's weird about this whole thing. So I have a friend who I, who's like a mentor to me and I really admire her. I met her years ago when we had our, um, when we had our kickboxing gym and we connected and just clicked from that time. And we've kept in contact all these years and everything. And we've grown closer. <clears throat> she has the same, she has the same 
situation as I do. And I had not known this information about her at all. And she told me that she had implants also. Because the only way to correct this when it's, you know, when it's in the chest, especially is through reconstructive surgery. So she had this um, same exact thing, Poland syndrome, and she was able to have her implants removed and a lift done. And because she had the implants for so long, she was able to, they were able to use, you know, the stretched out breast tissue and everything to basically recreate her own natural breasts. And hearing that really, I mean, it made me feel amazing. It really did. Um, I'm not knocking big boobs. I'm really not. But I don't love having big boobs. I never did. That wasn't the purpose of getting the implants. The purpose was to correct... Excuse me, sorry. The purpose was really to correct a birth defect. And I had to go larger because... Like I said, the first doctor put the implant so deep into my chest cavity that when the new doctor came to do the reconstructive surgery, he had to, you know, he's like, I have to fill up that space. Ironically, now I feel that was also not true. Um, Just hearing, you know, hearing from other surgeons and just... I don't know, hearing from other people, that sort of thing. But either way, I I had to have implants at that time in my life because I had only been about two years in with the first implants. And um, my breasts needed to be really stretched in order for this to happen today. I'm confident that I'll be able to have these removed and not have to worry about laying on my stomach. The little things we take for granted. Laying on your stomach to sleep. Laying on a lounge chair. Laying at the beach. These are the things we take for granted, you know? And they're so silly. I know they're so silly, but but to me, they're not. You know, to me, they are important. I don't want to have to worry that if I get into a car accident, oh my God, I'm going to pop a tit. You know, like these are the things you think about. Speaking of that popped tit, um... <laughs> You know, it is silicone, and I didn't even know it was ruptured. Uh, They call that a silent rupture. Apparently, it happens a lot. Um, The reason why I have silicone implants to begin with is because they take to the body a little bit better than the, you know, traditional um, saline. And the doctor had advised that I get silicone because of my birth defect to give a more natural appearance and and things of, you know, things of that nature. So I did go with it the second time around. Um, but at this point in my life, I don't, like I said, I, I don't want them. I just don't want a foreign object in my body. I don't even like taking Advil or Tylenol, let alone have something sitting in my chest that I have to worry about. you know, I have to worry about it rupturing. I have to worry about, um, you know, silicone implant disease, which is a disease that 
can make you really sick. It can, you know, there have been links to lupus, uh, developing lupus because due to due to silicone, you know, so there are just a few things that I really don't feel comfortable with, but I am looking forward to hearing this other surgeon's, um, recommendations and, you know, I have to kind of accept the fact that if I do need an implant again, you know, it is what it is and I have to just move forward from there. So I feel fortunate. I don't know how this could have been ruptured for God only knows it could have been ruptured for 10 years. I wouldn't even have known and knock on wood. I'm not, you know, I'm not really ill from it or anything like that. So it did make me wonder if the symptoms of COVID lasted so long because of this, because maybe my, I don't know, my immune system is in overdrive due to fighting, you know, the foreign object in my body that now has ruptured and is leaking or whatever the case is. So, um, but yeah, I wanted to just, you know, jump on and talk about this situation and educate you on Poland syndrome, which, you know, like I said, I, I completely forgot reading about it. And it's strange that no doctor, aside from this one who I just went to, actually said it um, to me. Uh, and to di- the other one diagnosed me with a tubular breast, which, oh, I dropped a pen. It's true. Um, which is not even at all what I have. <laughs> so just crazy. My, adv- my advice, my advice to you is that if you are going to any doctor, I don't care if it's just a regular general practitioner or whatever, research, read reviews, you know, I think I could say you that, you know, I'm confident in you, that you are smart enough to decipher a good review from someone who's just being an asshole, you know, like, oh, the office staff wasn't friendly, you know, and then gives the doctor like a one-star rating for the office staff not being friendly. That's not really a, that's not really a review. Uh, I'm sorry. I don't agree with those things. I just think that, especially from having been a business owner, you know, some reviews are just really unwarranted and don't really review what they're supposed to review. You know, they're reviewing everything else. Um, but I really do feel that we need to, we have the right to, we are consumers. You are buying a product. I know it sounds silly. You know, you have a cold, you need to see a doctor, you know, you're not at their mercy. You are a consumer, you know, they're getting paid. They're, you know, they're charging your insurance. You have every right to do your research to question, you know, and to be a part of your care. That's a really big thing. I find that people, you know, you, you just take the word of a doctor at face value and a lot of people don't get second opinions. A lot of people don't research further. Um, and we really need to be doing that more. So if you've taken away anything from this particular episode, I hope it is that. Um, I really do because it's really important for all of us. So 
totally tubular. I can't even say that anymore, but Mrs. Frankenboob will be signing out. I hope you have a very happy, healthy, and safe 4th of July. And um, if you have puppies that are so afraid of the fireworks like I do, sending prayers to them. I mean, I'm sure if you live in the tri-state area, New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, you've probably been hearing fireworks already now for two weeks. Um, Our dog's been living on Valium. So it's, uh, yeah, it's great. But anyway, I digress and I wish you all, uh, like I said, a happy and healthy, safe fourth. Thanks for listening.